Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzari Financial Services in Anderson, Augustino, and Keller. I am Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. It is uh, Thursday. We are how many days away from a football game now? Uh, less than two weeks. Um, and Notre Dame is finishing up final exams here this week. They'll start practicing on Saturday. We have a media day, a full-blown media day, including assistant coaches on uh, on Saturday. And um, we're going to get more into Notre Dame Clemson to, to, with our questions. We're going to have a... a extended segment with questions. Our first segment's going to be a little bit shorter. We're going to go over our predictions from this year. We hinted that the other day. We said O'Malley is really good at it, and he is. Um, only, but we for, were, only for one side. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we, were, I mean we, were, we were fairly close. I mean, I, I was I was 11-1 straight up because I took Michigan. Both these guys were 12-0, and 0, which makes it, me very interested to see what you're going to pick for the Cotton Bowl. Um Against the spread, Samson was five, six, and one. This was the spread that I would use in my preview. So it was the last right. one before I posted a preview. O'Malley was four, six, and two. He had a couple pushes, and I was actually four, seven, and one. O'Malley separated himself with the opposing offenses against Notre Dame defense. All that could, film study. Yeah, yeah which, which so. I mean, Clark Lee kind of made that yes, uh, he did make easy, it easy for he, us. He made it easy on me. Uh, pick and, and pick actually, 17 a lot, and you're okay. Yeah, and actually, we were all right around there. I, I said O'Malley had eight games where he picked within three points of the opponent. I actually had nine. Pete had one, two, three, four, and a, a four-point game. So it was easy with Clark Lee. Notre Dame scoring just fooled us a few times, huh? Well, in both directions. I mean, in in each case, our worst pick was Ball State. Yeah, that was their. That doesn't count. That was their worst pick too. They, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's, I don't know. I mean, that's Notre Dame's fault. Look, I why could, my said because they didn't practice yeah. that. Yeah, week. I didn't know they were going to yeah. practice. Shocking. <laughs> I mean, my Ball State pick was bad. I had them winning fifty-two to nine. But in some ways, I feel I'm not sure if that was my worst pick because it's a toss-up between. Notre Dame 41, Syracuse 27. Well, I have those or written down here too, Pete. Notre Dame 45, <laughs> USC 10. I mean, both of those are, it's like, I feel like those are, even though I got the winner correct, it was similar to when I picked Alabama to win by 10 points in the national championship <laughs> game. Like, I got the winner correct, but really the spirit of the pick was off. What Before USC, what was the other one you said? Syracuse 41, Notre Dame beating Syracuse 41-27. Oh, well, I have a different bad one for you. It was 42-13 against Pitt, so. Oh, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, my uh, pit was my Wake Forest, uh, Notre Dame 33, Wake Forest 31 was not good, although I think that that may have been made with uh, Brandon Woodbush starting at quarterback, so. I can maybe let myself off all right, well, a the little wor- bit. The worst pick of all was was mine because I picked Michigan to be yeah. Notre Dame twenty four twenty. So <laughs> Tim and I are definitely off the hook. I was because yeah, of that. yeah. I was I, I was close in. in I think total my best Notre ever. Dame, my best Notre Dame. I have your best. Too. Syracuse thirty seven is really good because he missed an extra point on me. That's not cool. Yeah, and you also had <laughs> but, o- O'Malley had uh, thirty to thirty one to twenty. Wait, no, you had 30 to... I had 31-21 for Northwestern. No, I had 30 to 20 for 30 Northwestern. 30 to 20, and the final was 31-21. My best pick was uh, actually Northwestern. I had 30 to 17, and it was 31 to 21. 41-16 pit. That's mine. Wow, yeah, that's we bad. had... I had... I, yeah, we were all... I think actually, I, I was pretty. I was closer on Pitt, but I, I had Syracuse scoring thirty-one, which was. I look at this, and I think Northwestern is the only pick that I look at and be like, "Yeah, that was that was kind of kind of close." I had Notre Dame twenty-seven, Northwestern had Van- thirteen. You Van- had Vanderbilt, like, we, but I didn't think 
The way the Vanderbilt game ended, <laughs> yeah. it felt it was more like 27-26. I got you. You had, yeah. tw- had 27-14. It was but 22-17. It was not, yeah. I definitely yeah. did not predict a blowout, which I think was sort of a popular pick as a response to Ball State. Right. Yeah. I had 26-17, and I did not think they were going to almost win Vanderbilt. Yeah. Now, just, I just figured it would be sleepy. Now, in the point differential in, in like picking Notre Dame, Notre Dame's point total by game, I was within... Um, one forty-two. O'Malley was one forty-three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and Samson was one sixty. And then the point differential with the opponent, O'Malley was at fifty-four. Priester at fifty-nine. Samson with eighty-one. Uh, best you don't believe pick. Notre Dame's defense enough, Pete. You also <laughs> had. <laughs> you also had. You had twenty-six seventeen with Vanderbilt. I, I understand. It didn't. That, yeah, I, mean, that's I felt damn, like that's it was going to be good. a very sleepy. Yeah. That was a preseason pick too. I just felt like no matter what, that's a hard game to care about. Yeah, I had Notre Dame thirty-one to twenty over Stanford is thirty-eight seventeen, so I was within ten total. I had Notre Dame thirty-one seventeen over USC, and it was it was about to be twenty-four ten, which would have been a fourteen-point spread. But we were in the ballpark. I mean, I think we represent ourselves pretty <laughs> we, well. We, we look like we might cover the team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Pitt was the worst, right? Because the spirit of it, we were making fun of Pitt. Yeah, I mean, I thought Pitt was. Was hot garbage. Yeah, well, um, USC. We acknowledged something could conceivably happen. We just didn't think it would. Pitt, I, said, I never considered. I said Pitt was garbage, but I had a, a my score was at least a little bit closer than you. Guys. I will say, Alan Wazalewski from the uh, <laughs> basketball squad came up to me before the game and said, "Nobody thinks it's going to be close. You guys made me so nervous." And turns out, yeah, he was right. yeah. And I, you know what I said <laughs> to him about that? Jerry Faust wanted USC. So please don't tell me about how it happens all the time. <laughs> All right, we have an that's an abbreviated uh, segment number one. We'll be back with uh, two full pages of questions from our readers. The college football playoffs are here, and getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, Irish Illustrated listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code IRISH today. That's promo code I-R-I-S-H for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. Irish Illustrated listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app. And enter promo code IRISH today. That's promo code I-R-I-S-H in all caps for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Our first question for segment two comes from Packy P. Is Kyron Williams a back that can come in and play next year? Uh, I mean, he's doing early enrollment. So I think that puts him on even footing with Jameer Smith and Sebo Flemister from the second he steps on campus, because it's not like those guys have done anything this season to sort of, you know, carve out a, I am the third back or I got a chance to be the second back. So, you know, could, could he get 
25 carries for the season, 50 carries for the season. Um, you know, could he fall into the four-game redshirt rule? Yeah, but I, I, I'm guessing Packy, what Packy P's question here is more about can he be is a he guy who plays emerge? like 10 yeah. games? Like, can he have a season like, you know, maybe a notch below Jafar Armstrong? Um, I don't think so. Um, I, I like him as a player. I think that people in the recruiting industry probably like him more than I like him. Um, I think he's got a, a pretty unique sort of body type. He's like a quick back, but squat. Um, just he's an interesting player, and I, I think he can sort of do the things in the passing game that they have just started to do with Dexter Williams from the very beginning. Um, but he's he's undersized. I don't know how he's going to pick up anybody as a blocker as a as a true freshman, um, let alone just sort of know how to do it. Um, but I but I think he's he is a guy that will fit into Notre Dame's program incredibly, incredibly well. And considering some of the the issues they've had in the running back room over the last few years, that will that will be a there's a real benefit to that. So there's six. I'm not missing a guy, am I? Because Jafar and Tony Jones are the one-two punch next year. So is it Avery Davis developing still would be the default? I know he's been out of the mix for a long time now, but developing still would be the default number three right now. Or are you thinking yeah, Jameer think... Williams? I mean, excuse Jameer Smith. No, I mean, I, I think Avery Davis is still in the mix. And he's the, of all of those backs, he's the one that's probably closest to Kyron Williams in terms of size and yes. I'd say style. If, uh, and so he has the edge right there. Kyron is, I think, yeah. thicker than Avery Davis. Yes. Probably, probably yes. by a lot. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, in terms of what they imagine them to be capable right. of doing, yeah, I right. think that's right. I yeah. have, you know, I haven't looked at a. As soon as the as soon as the postseason's over here is when I'll start getting really back into a lot of the senior film of these guys. Mm-hmm. And I and I think clearly he's improved, but I tend to I've leaned towards what Pete just said that I didn't have him ranked as high as as a lot of the recruiting people did after his junior season. I guess it comes does come down to me for how much Avery Davis um improves going the next nine months. And he does have a leg up, obviously, on Williams, but I think Jameer Smith is a different runner than those guys. He, if he becomes the guy they like, he's number three. But I think they want the versatility of Avery Davis. And Sebo Flemister has some attention to detail issues. We're told yeah. that he's got to get right. out of. But he has the athletic ability, but he's not. Uh, yeah. He didn't do it himself any They, they have good. a nice cross-section of backs now where, where Smith and, and Flemister are bigger, powerful guys. And they don't usually have something like that. Tony Jones is similar as well. With Kyron Williams in early, one of those three guys better be careful. Tebow Flemister, Jimmy yeah. Smith, and Avery yeah. Davis. That's a, you got to have a good spring. DOC Irish, if all the commits sign next week, does Notre Dame close the book on the 2019 class, or might they try to make room for more in February, i.e. Foskey Turner? Well, they, they will definitely try to uh, – I mean, Foskey, I think, is a guy that they are counting on getting uh, yes, closer I, to the signing day. I agree. And Turner is – I mean, Turner's too good to pass up. Mm-hmm. Now, how they make room for that, we don't know. We don't know the attrition of the current freshman class. Right after this season, so and the current senior class, <clears throat> yes, exactly. So um, they they won't be done. They should sign everybody that's already verbally committed next week. And Foskey and Turner are definite takes, and I think they feel really good about getting Foskey. Pete, I, I agree with you on Foskey. I think the the numbers are the most important thing here, right? And you, know, you look at next year's roster, just sort of an early projection. I I would think that Brandon Wimbush will go somewhere else. Devin Sudso will leave. Right. If you include Love, Claypool, Aquara, like all those guys back, 
and they get Foskey, that puts them at 90 scholarship players. That's which is problem. Which is, like, probably one more than they're yeah. comfortable with, but that one more is a defensive end. I mean, this was, this was something that I asked Brian Kelly about, I think, the week after Michigan, whereas based on how the Michigan game played out, where you've got Okwara, Kareem, Winovich, Gary, you look at that and say, like, we need to oversign at defensive end. He's like, he's like, yes, always. and corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always, like, always. Always get one extra guy at those spots. So I think Foskey is that one extra guy. Then they can make it, it will work out later. They have some options there that they're, I think, are trying to keep sort of under the radar for now. But I think probably once Wednesday, next Wednesday comes around, it will, it will be a little bit more obvious. I don't expect four dismissals this January like they had last year, obviously, because Two are already in the works at this point, with Holmes and Stefferson are right around this point yeah. from the mall. Um, so three were like clear disciplinary dismissals plus T. Awesome. And then, then two, there were a lot of fifth-year senior candidates, which is probably part of why Watkins and Jay Hayes left, and we'll get to that later in these questions. But you figure one of those guys even. I mean, you're going to lose, you always lose pre-spring, in-spring, and post-spring. And then it comes down to something along the lines of what happens to you in the summer, and then there's the medical in August. So mm-hmm. once you're at, yeah, 90 is probably one more, but that's only one more they care about, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that talking to Brian Pullian about this in the summer, it was like they wanted to be more aggressive with, and something I asked Brian Kelly about at signing day last year. It's like I think they finally got to the point where over-signing isn't some, like, toxic word because um, they, they don't run the guys out of school, but if you're not meeting whatever standards or traits that they like to hold up, you can stay and graduate. Right, yeah. But, but they're just going to take that scholarship and put it back in the pile with the 85. That's so they, easy to they, do with the upperclassmen. Yes. Yes, you can't do that with the lowerclassmen because then you you can't. Right. Then Their scholarship you, has to yeah, be with them. So, yeah, then yeah. you then you get into the Holmes situation, right. Macintosh situation. I mean, those are guys that are legitimately kicked out of school. All right, next question. ND fan one RAA. Which freshmen have burned a year of eligibility so far? Uh, there are a total of seven: Jason Adam Miola, Kevin Austin, Bo Bauer, Tariq Bracy, Houston Griffith, Paul Moala, and Shane Simon. I don't think I missed anybody there. There are two guys with three that have played three games, so they can't play. In both games. They can't play in both games. Uh, <laughs> You're laughing at Pete. And that would be... <laughs> the Myron Tagovailoa yeah. uh, situation. Uh, Jarrett Patterson, offensive tackle, and then Jason Adamiola's uh, twin brother, Justin, who's also played in three games. Everybody else... Two or less. Yep. Yeah, two or less. I mean, you know, I, the odds of somebody, one of those freshmen playing the next two games, obviously, are steep. But that's the whole idea. You leave yourself that, that kind of wiggle room. Uh, with this new rule. Basically, you watched a lot of Notre Dame, other than Paul Mawala, because he's all special teams, you know who they are. You yeah, know? exactly. Bill Bowery's out there all the time, stuff like that. Exactly. At training underscore Dave, what other team, pro or college, do you wish you could have covered over the past 30 years? Samson's not old enough to have covered for 30 years, but O'Malley and I are. I understand where you're coming from there, training Dave. Uh, who comes to mind? Who would you want to cover? Any f- team in the world? Yes, um, the 94, I was a 49er fan, so I would say Joe Montana's, not 94. I mean, so, I don't know if you have to pick a specific year. Well, but I want a you Super Bowl. So okay, 80, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, 88, 89, 49ers, because Joe, the whole Joe Montana, Steve Young thing in 88 is the weirdest thing in the world to think about. That 
Bill Walsh brought in someone to beat yeah. out Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were both Hall of Famers. That would have been fun. For Notre Dame, obviously, I would have liked the uh, – I'd have liked any part of that 88, 89, 90 range because um, they had so much talent. It was just fun to watch their uh, imaginations. Clearly, 88 because you yeah. – they want it, but that's right. not – Yeah. Who do you have, Pete? Um, let's see. I mean, from a fan's perspective, I'm a big Liverpool football club fan. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll see, like, why is he tweeting about soccer? Um, during ba- football yeah, games? Yeah, during football <laughs> games. In fact, <laughs> Liverpool plays a match the day of the Clemson game, so I'll be tweeting about that in the morning. People will be like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. um, I, this is kind of weird. The 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team uh, would be oh, wow. pretty awesome to that's cover. I mean, that, that's like all-time cultural yeah. type of stuff. I didn't think quite in those terms. I mean, the the '86 Bears with uh, with Ditka. Although Ditka, had I been actually covering them, you know him and I would have gotten into some type of argument at some point. So that probably wouldn't have worked out. And it's well. not like you're you have a reputation of you know cantankerous relationships. No. with defensive coordinators either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you and Buddy Ryan had done, that'd be great. Yeah. Not at all. But I think that's football wise. I think that's what I would I'm choose. I'm assuming you mean the '85 Bears, right? Yeah, I said '86. Okay, yeah. yeah, I meant '85. Well, I, if you want to get in a fight, it'd be the '86 yeah. Bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and outside of football, um, how about the Bulls and Jordan? That would be great, but no, yeah. nothing outside of Notre Dame football would top it for me, other than the Cubs' 2016 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, run. But who would like who? What sane person would like to cover a 162 game schedule and then all the playoffs? I cannot. Can you imagine? I mean, when I I don't Shout know about you guys, James like, Stankovic, right? but when I was young, growing up, and <laughs> I knew I wanted to be, <laughs> I knew I wanted to be a sports writer. And you think, man, that would be so awesome. Well, my brother covered the Bulls. My brother covered the Bulls <sighs> and Jordan and uh, and Notre Dame. But he uh, Tim knows my brother John. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember John. John. Yeah. But uh, he covered the Bulls through the first three championships. Wow. wow. And then his last year covering the Bulls is when Jordan retired the first time. Oh man, so that's that, a, he wasn't but, back for the man. That's season. a grind. That, yeah. That's just any way you look at it. It's a grind. Uh, at Irish tie expanded playoff, good or bad for Notre Dame? Obviously easier to make the playoffs, but it would be harder to actually win the national title. Does he mean four? No, he means expanding to eight. eight. I wrote about today's Thursday thoughts. Good for Notre Dame, bad for my delicate sensibilities that doesn't want to see it. I mean, I think it just depends on what the eight mean. Is it automatic berths for the Power Five conferences and an automatic berth for the highest? You finishing? can't do. You can't do because then you're going to have three loss. Well, first of all, that I don't want to see. Yeah, I don't saying, either. Like, I agree. That's a terrible I agree. idea. I, I like. He's, yeah. I like to reward the eight best teams, right? Opposed to the five teams that won random assortments of conferences and then one really random team that happened to beat a bunch of FCF schools and you know win the American Athletic yeah. Conference. I mean it's good it's it it's it would be good for Notre Dame, it'd be good for every team because it'd give them more of an opportunity to make it. Yeah, I mean I think in that instance yes. If it was only um you know a situation where you the there were five or six automatic bids and two at larges it would be worse for Notre Dame. Because, I mean, think about watching Championship Saturday. And, oh, you and, can't have automatic. And, you can't have yeah, automatic. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, for the sake of the start, like, Pittsburgh beats Clemson. Notre Dame gets knocked down a run. Right. And then Georgia beat, well, I guess maybe the Georgia thing wouldn't apply. You still have to have a committee yeah. choosing the top eight for, there, it, for it to be, right? Yeah. I'm just saying, like, there could, there could have been a scenario where Notre Dame maybe gets left out. Because of what's happens on championship Saturday, but here, okay, I wrote insane. about I wrote about this in Thursday thoughts, and I don't like an eighteen playoff because it just 
A, it just makes it easier to get in the playoffs, and that's not what we need. I like November. Yes, it, it the, the the last weekend of Why? the regular season. It's awesome, it's a terrible month. It's the best. It's the, the last best weekend of the is. regular season is diminished. Then you you can't have that. And what we would have? Okay, first of all, Central Florida without their quarterback would be playing Alabama. Wouldn't that be a Wouldn't that be a hell of a game to watch? Here's the other thing: uh, Washington, Penn State, LSU. Who's the other team with three losses right there? Florida. Florida. They're all, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I don't want to we're see. Going, I don't, I don't want to see any right. of those teams. So now we're now we're going to, because because obviously as we saw this year with Georgia, a lot of people don't care about wins and losses. So now you're going to be making arguments for three lost teams in the playoffs, and I just I just don't think that that's in the best interest of college football. Not to mention the end of November, what you're talking about, yeah. Tim. Conference championship games. It can't be an automatic berth. That that would you you can't do that. I think if you had. I like the idea of an 18 playoff. It would have to be under a tear everything up set of circumstances where the conference championships games go away. And what about the bowl games? How that impacts the bowl games in general? No, it doesn't. Okay. I don't think. Okay. Um, you know, and for the first round are on campuses during finals. Yeah, you have yeah, you have finals. finals for Notre Dame during finals for Notre okay. Dame. Okay, all right, yeah. but still that, that I don't like. Okay, that mo- that does not move the needle. Right. Not for, about, for, no- for Notre Dame. You don't what think? about the signing no. date? What about the early signing date? I mean, I mean, what about Saban? It? Well, Saban, well, Saban, Saban has complained about it. It's been easy for Notre Dame, but it That's isn't. E- it's not easy for not for Stanford. List. Not for Stanford. Yeah. It isn't. No, it's look. They get paid a lot of money. <coughs> Brian Kelly's been on the road for the last two weeks. They haven't been really practicing for Clemson. Um, would it be harder? Yeah. I'm just saying but it's another factor added to it. Dump the championship games. Play the first round that weekend. You would have had Notre Dame, Ohio State here. I think the look UCF, Alabama would have been bad. But I, but I, I guess to to go really big picture on this, I do think the 14 playoff has worked really, really yeah. well. For basically four of the five years, there's been a bunch of blowback on it this year because there were three undefeated teams from Power Five conferences and back-to-back undefeated UCF. There was just a setup, and the the Georgia dynamic with the double SC. There were just a lot of dynamics that were unique to this year. Right. So, but if something works four out of five years, I don't think my reaction would be like because it didn't work one of those times. Let's blow the whole but thing up. That's the world that we live sure. in now. I, obviously, I totally agree. I Why mean, didn't it work this year? Because the, the UCF Ohio the State has team. one loss. Yeah, Georgia appears to be Georgia a worthy two-loss team. I know, I know. But they yeah. appear to be a worthy. I mean, you're, you're asking why, and that's what. Well, it's a, a lack more of undefeated teams. More which undefeated really teams. Happens. Notre Dame making it is a big, like problem nationally because it it removes another conference from making it i mean it's i think it's all it's a accumulation of lack of making the playoff for the big 10 or the pac-12 as someone that grew up and covered college football when they weren't even matching up the two best teams it was all it was all strictly (laughs) right i mean it was conference tied to the you know to each of the major bowls um I mean, it was they weren't even close to it, and so that's why your point, Pete, it's worked four or five years. That's a solution yeah. for college football. It's a solution because you can't. It's football. You can't play every other day. We've said this. Every other sport you can play every day. You can't do that in football. I think you it's hard to play another game 
I think it would have been heartbreaking to play another game right after their 12th game. I know. Man, that, was, I know. that was a grind. Exactly. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, a, you're preparing for that. Of course. Yeah, year, you probably so need an FCS you team. You don't just, like, drop it on your Yeah. Plus, schedule. to be fair, I stopped listening when we said eight teams. But okay. ND Squid 23, <laughs> outside of the playoff games, what are the three bowls you're most interested to watch and why? Hmm. I mean... Different year I mean, this year. Count the Rose Bowl, right? I mean, that's yeah. That's number Ohio one State, for me. Washington. That's I mean, a great that's one. Like that's first on the list. Uh, I am curious to see the level of disinterest in the Pinstripe Bowl between Miami and Wisconsin <laughs> since they matched up in the Orange Bowl last year. <laughs> oh, yeah, but but two much much worse teams. They yeah, deserve to play I mean, each I, other again. I could I could be done with that game in about two minutes just to see who like Miami and Yankee Stadium in December. <laughs> that's why we covered Miami and yeah. El Paso in, in every, December. It in every little pool well. I'm in, I'm going against oh, yeah. Miami and Yankee Stadium that's a good point. in December. And yet Wisconsin's not very good. I I the pe- and the Peach Bowl would be the other one just because like someone's going to lose and be so miserable for the next nine months between Michigan and Florida. That's what I thought. I really wanted Michigan to play in terms of TV viewing and enjoyment. I know it wasn't going to work that way. I wanted to see Michigan play Georgia this year. I thought it'd be fun. Ooh, yeah, that, yeah, would be that was kind of the one game I thought would be. Or I feel like they played Florida five times. Yeah, in the last that's decade. too much. That's gonna be I want to see. Game. Well, yeah, of course, you guys know how much I love bowl games and bowl pools and bowl picks and bowl, bowl, bowl. Yeah. Just but, don't mention Tulane. That's good. No, uh, I want to see LSU beat Central Florida by like forty-five. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that, that's, that's a good one. That, that's what that's what I want to. I see. think it'd be funny either way. Actually, in that uh, game. <laughs> I could laugh both ways. Florida, Michigan's intriguing to me, but it's going to be really low scoring, and and you know how. I mean, I I can appreciate a good defensive low scoring game, but they also can be very ugly right. too, and it's not a lot of fun. I think West Virginia, Syracuse is fun. I know, I know Will Greer's not playing. The spread moves seven points. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know, and that's why I like Syracuse there. Um, Texas-Georgia could be interesting if Georgia's not fully invested defensively in trying. They can't be that happy, Georgia, right now. Yeah, yeah I it would is think sugar so, ball, and, that, and, that, and that is a point. I think uh, I think NC State-Texas A&M, I don't know why. I, 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 kinda, I just kind of want to say Ryan Finley. Um, I'm offended that Ryan Finley won conference quarter first team over Trevor Lawrence, so... Really? Yeah, I don't like that. You know, uh, what, we started like five more games or four more games. Just like one last one I want to throw in. This is because six and six versus seven and five is kind of not really all that watchable. But Purdue Auburn. That's what I wrote down. I Purdue mean, Auburn's that, cool. That's a game that I would just watch. Yeah, I hear like, you. If it happened in September. I'm interested in Army Houston because I think Army's going to win that game. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the. Uh, um, Armies. Do you see their? Oh, I sent you guys a text. And Oliver's not playing. Sixteen hundred yards. Sixteen hundred yards from the fullback. Sixteen. No, yeah, Army's the fullback, position. The Army's fullbacks fullback have rushed for more than sixteen hundred yards. That's, yeah. that's it's probably standing. close to set. That was before. That was the Navy before game. the Navy game. Yeah, that's good times. Wash ND. When do you guys head down to Texas? How much access to players practice will you have once you are there? I get down on the twenty fifth pretty late, and uh, they they have. They practice on the 25th. There's like a 15-minute viewing period, which I will gladly not attend. Uh, and then, well, you'll be on a plane. That's why you're not going to attend. Well, right. No, I think I'll be at my house. Oh, okay. Yeah, even, even yeah. close. Yeah. So, and then, like, the access the next day is coaches, players uh, on the 26th, 27th is media, media day. day, 28th we get both head coaches in really one of the... Worst press conferences of the year. Yeah, that's a rough on one. The, the other two are really good, though. The 26th and 20th. The media day is awesome because we talk to anybody we want. Yep. Um, and no one can stop us. And no one can stop us. <laughs> <laughs> we can even go talk to Sierra Wood after a year, um, which everybody did. Yeah. As soon as we saw and, him, and we made just a to let her, to I don't know about you. Well, I do know. 
we are not going to be on media day. I'm not talking to Drew Tranquil. <laughs> what? Why not? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What if they brought in Matthias no, Farley you know, and I'm Nick seek, I would go back to Matthias I'm Farley. I'm going to seek out is. Jerry Tillery because I'm sure he'll be a great yeah. interview at media day. No, we're going to talk to freshmen. Um, yeah. yeah. Right? Media day's fun. Yeah. That's a good time. That's, that's the Bob Yako story. And I have to take exception. Don't you think Brian, a Brian Kelly Dabble Sweeney press conference is going to be kind of fun? Are you uh, thinking of Ed Orgeron I, last year? You no, know, I guess I'm... Jeez, <laughs> oh, that was bad. Um, I'm thinking of more from like a usage of quotes Oh, I, no, I got you. I got just you. like, yeah. what are you going to say that has... Like, there might be some kibitzing that right. is, is funny, fun. but... I'm just like that. That the hay yeah, has I been think, in the barn for a I long think those are time. Two, I think those are two pretty good personalities sticking. Yes. I, I hear what you're They'll saying. They'll be really good. I do have one funny memory from the first, uh, from the Saban Kelly one the day that before. Was good. It actually. was good, but that's because we walked in. It had been, that's that had been a long week too. That was yeah. a longer week because Christmas wasn't involved. So yeah. People all got down there early. Yeah. Um, as we were sitting down, I remember Kelly looking over at me and mouthing the words, no questions. Because <laughs> he was so sick of answering questions. Like, thinking, let me find people I know yeah. and see if we can get out of here. Like, smiling. He's like, no questions. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was kind of successful. I, I yeah. remember a lot of out-of-town media questions that yeah. day and nobody on the beat. All right. O'Malley, you're, O'Malley's going to celebrate 20, Christmas at home. And, yep. And they come down the 26th. I, too, will be traveling uh, the afternoon, evening of Christmas Day. And um, so we can be there for the first thing on the 26th. By the way, we have access on the 18th to practice this week or next week. We should let people know that too. We have a little five. What kind of access? Like first five or six periods. Really? Yeah. It's right there in the email. Practice report. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. At Casey Reese, what does this team's practice schedule look like? Um, they're back at it yeah. Saturday the 15th. They will be here through the 20th. There will be no classes. So, I mean, they're, that's like that's like pro football there, right? I mean, they've got them. Yeah, next week's... They've got them for as much as they want, meeting-wise. Is is today and tomorrow a wrap for finals? Yeah, 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 grades are due on the 15th. Yeah, so, you know, a a good, good, just about a good solid week. They're going to, they were going to uh, disperse on the 21st, but it's now the 20th because they're leaving on the 23rd instead of the 24th. And then, you know, and, and I get that from... Brian Kelly's perspective. You just want to get there and get settled in. They'll have a practice week, like a regular one, when they're down there because right. the game's a Saturday. Right. They'll so they'll have, two, yeah. they'll have two solid weeks of practice coming up here beginning Saturday. So, I mean, I you know, I, sometimes people are like, well, are they going to get enough? They'll have, they'll have plenty. They'll, they'll, especially starting this Saturday through the 20th here, they're going to know everything they need to know about Clemson before they leave. Well, as he pointed out... Uh, this isn't a bowl game where they, it's young guys running around and they're having. You're talking about CJ Pro is a freshman and he shows well and he could be good the next year. This is this is the first and second unit. I mean they don't they don't care which guys haven't yeah. played yet this year. Yeah, <laughs> shockingly, uh, no, it's not a big deal. Uh, and and right, obviously rightfully yeah. so. Uh, at D Baker three seventeen, how would this defensive line be different had Jay Hayes not transferred? It would be deeper. I mean, it's. I think that Khalid Kareem was. Uh, Better than probably. I mean, I thought he'd be really good. I think he's been better than that. Um, so yeah, the no, yeah. the notion that they would have rotated, I don't think is is all that accurate. But you know, at the beginning of the year, he would have taken the snaps that would have gone to Ade Ogundeja, which are about two hundred for the year. Um, but really, that uh, many? About halftime of the Michigan game, the coaches would have said, "All right, we need you a three technique because yeah. uh, Tagovailoa almost is out for the year." Yeah, and then he would have taken all those snaps. That's where he would have helped them the most. And speaking of Khalid Kareem. I think that's a matchup advantage against uh, Ankrum, Clemson's mm-hmm. right tackle. When you're looking, you know, it's kind of hard to just look at it and say, oh, Notre Dame has an advantage over Clemson this. To me, that's one of them. 
right there. But Pete, you're right. Jay Hayes probably would have been invaluable to them as a backup three technique. And our four-year quest on this podcast of moving Jay Hayes inside would have been realized. Yeah. Yeah. Really Tommy matters. Kramer to guard. We tried. We tried. We did, man. At her loyal son, if being a Nordane fan for I'm sorry. If being a Nordane fan for the past three years has taught me anything, it is to be scared of big games. However, this year is different. I'm very confident uh, because of Ian Book, Nordane can win this by double digits. Do you agree, or am I being a delusional homer? Both. Mm. I think Nordane can win it, and to say Nordane's going to beat Clemson by double digits would just Ooh. just be I mean, saying how, that. Just, yeah, I mean, how you are, can say anything you want. Yeah, how are we? How are we imagining just, a double digit win over Clemson? I. I mean, if Notre Dame leads by three going the fourth quarter, Clemson drives, Notre Dame stops them and ices the game, but that's not a double-digit <laughs> win. You know what I mean? Like, that's how these, just like yeah. it wouldn't be a double-digit Clemson I mean, I, win I, the I, other way. I'm confident the Notre Dame can, can win this game. I'm not sure that I'm going to predict that when I have to, but I, I think they can play with this team. Um, I know when I watch Clemson film, they're not short of any athletes. That, but... I think double-digit win, you, when you're predicting a double-digit win, you think that one team is much better than the other one. And I don't know why you would predict Notre Dame to beat Clemson by double digits. So stuff would have to occur in this game that has not occurred all year on both sides. I mean, for both teams, for Notre Dame to win by double digits. Um, and I think for Clemson, if they just keep doing what they're doing, that they they can win by double digits. Clemson is fifty three and four yeah. in their last fifty seven games. With yeah, I mean, with the coordinator group <laughs> of Venable Scott and. Um, Elliot. Elliot. Tony Elliott. 54 and 4, going back to the, the bowl game in 2014. Uh, but maybe, I don't know if this Her Loyal Son is similar to a question that I got in my mailbag the other week about just like the big game fear. And then, like, it was it was asked similar terms, like, am I being irrational? Because, like, I think that Notre Dame always, like, doesn't show in big games or, like, you know, plays poorly. But I think, you know, you like Georgia, Florida State, Clemson. Um, they just haven't beating, won those games. Beating LSU, blowing out USC, blowing out Stanford. I mean, that the only games that I would say that you know you look at Brian Kelly that there were big games and they just weren't there were obviously Alabama and Miami, and then and Miami's the egregious one because somewhat one somewhat team was Ohio great. State. They there were were so some weird circumstances. They were so there. hurt. Yeah, they were really hurt. That's um, and that's sort of it. I mean, I feel like they've uh, USC they've had 2011, but that was real early. Remember the buildup for that? Game? Oh yeah, it was yeah. bad. Um, but the, that was a long time. On Ohio State, not to get on a tangent, the late Bob Elliott, who we all love, asked Matt Freeman and I pregame if we had eligibility left for defensive line. <laughs> they were hurt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were they were they were busted up. Well, uh, her loyal son is. Uh, Confident and uh, maintain that confidence. I like the first part of it. You can win, they can win the game. Yeah. At B. Simons 19, if you could heal one player for the upcoming Clemson game, who would it be? Sean Crawford or Alex Bars? Good question. Bars. Um, I'd take Bars. Oh, man. Up front. I want to say Bars, but I think it's probably Crawford. I'd rather stop people from getting in the backfield and throwing people I just, around. I don't know how much of a. Like, it's not like if Bars was in there, Notre Dame was running for 250 yards, right? No. I just like Bars was one of the best players on the team when he got hurt. And, I totally yeah. I hear what you're saying. I want to add a yeah. I want to. I'd pick Bars also. I want to add an offensive player to combat their defensive line. Uh, you know, I'm gonna. Notre Dame's defense has been good all year. I don't want to. Add, I don't need. I don't think we need to add another. Having to choose between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, both. I, <laughs> both. 
B. Simmons 19 says we do have to choose between yeah, the that's two. That's true. That was the point of the question. But you say both. I, no, no, I say no, I say bars. Okay. I say bars. Did I say, is that what I actually just said? I, I yelled both. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus. Bars. I'm picking bars. Okay. I, I want to add another component to combat that okay. defensive line. Uh, at CJ Natchigal. How would you assess the job that Jeff Quinn has done in year one as the OL coach, considering the O-line has struggled at times, but he's faced the tall task of replacing Houston? I think you and I are kind of on opposite sides here, Pete, based upon your comment about the offensive line. I think it was in the last podcast. I mean, you feel like they've been very inconsistent and they haven't been able to run the ball consistently enough. And Basically. I mean, I think that at the beginning of the year, there was, okay, they were going to take a step back from from last season. The question was how far. They were the best offensive line in the country a year ago. I thought they needed to be a top 20 offensive line this year, and I, I think that they were. You know, his, do I think there's more material on this line than a top 20 offensive line? Yes. But I think overall it's done... I don't know, like, if you're going to grade the job that Jeff Quinn did, I'd probably say, like, I don't know, B? Yeah, I That's would. That's good about a B. I would. I... I, I... <sighs> My only thought is no huge problem with the offensive line this year. I just have a problem with the offensive line in the games they're now about to play. Is that fair? Well, to say? Yeah, like, I, it's fair to say, yeah. but I don't know that there's anything that Jeff, Jeff Quinn really could have done about that. No, that is right? not a Quinn assessment. That I is mean, McGl- a, McGl- what they have. McGlinchey, Nelson, Bars. Seriously? Right. I mean, that, that that is as extreme as it gets in loss of personnel from one year to the next. That was not a Quinn statement by me. That was more of a I, no, what I the get world it. is right I get now. It. Yeah. I think there's a lot of revisionist history with Harry Heastan, especially now that he's gone, because there were a lot of times where Nordame's running game was inconsistent. Now... That may have had more to do with the play calling pre-Chip Long than Harry Heastan's work with the offensive line. But, I mean, I, I think all things considered, those three guys that I mentioned, I think Quinn's done a pretty good job. I agree with you, Pete, that is there more talent there? Yeah, but Eichenberg is going to be a lot better next year and a year after. Hainsey's going to be a lot better next year and a year after. Kramer has two more. Kramer has two more years, right. And Banks is just getting started. So, I mean, I, I think there's a very realistic chance that even if Harry Heastan had been the coach of this group, there would have been hit, hits and misses along the way. Yeah, I mean, they, they lost three starters. I mean, for just for the sake of comparison, they have a they are allowing fewer tackles for loss and fewer sacks this year than last year. Wow. So figure that out. That's, Jeff Quinn haters. <laughs> that's, wow, that's pretty good. That's a striking... Yeah. Uh, uh, stat at B Tinkow. Does Anna Hickey hate Notre Dame? <laughs> Seriously, why does the media always bash Notre Dame for being proud of its history? I will say in our column exchange, Anna Hickey said their favorite thing of covering Notre Dame was their tradition of standing behind the alma mater. So she didn't. She likes their history. I think her. I think she, she likes Notre Dame for their history. I believe she stood behind it and then booed. <laughs> she doesn't hate Notre Dame. That, when somebody writes a story that is. She doesn't no, I think hate Notre Dame. Anna Hickey's uh, Twitter picture is Notre Dame Stadium from the press box. She should update that. She should update that. If you're listening, Anna, I, I would I would update that if I were you. But uh, I think that that is it, it remains the fact. I mean, so that's you look surprised by that. I am yeah. surprised. All right, well, she doesn't hate Notre Dame. No, uh, but Notre the Dame. second part: Why does the media always bash Notre Dame for being proud of its history? I don't think that's quite what. Oh, you know what? I read that a little differently. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't. I think I guess I never get that vibe that 
that's like the big criticism of Notre Dame. I don't think is like its tradition and history. Okay, well, if you weren't a Notre Dame fan, I'm just saying that and Jen throwing that out to everybody. And the last time Notre Dame won a major bowl was 1993. How would you feel about Notre Dame beating its chest about its rich tradition? Yeah, you I know mean, what I'm saying. I, would I mean, probably bring that up. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, no, I, I'm understand Notre Dame history and tradition better than yeah. anybody in this room, longer anyway. But if you were on the other side, and they're an independent, I mean, wouldn't that piss you off if you were, you cheered for a team that's in a conference and Notre Dame's an independent? They don't have to be in a conference. I think the independence thing is, I'm going to say it's a legitimate complaint, and people are going to take that the wrong way, but I. I mean that more as like I understand why that drives people insane. The independence part, it's uh, like uh, I yeah. think I think if everybody could be independent, they would. I was gonna say I don't understand how people don't understand how Notre Dame can be independent though. That drives me crazy too. If you don't get why Notre Dame can be independent, it's hard for me to explain sports and economics actually, to you. I actually do get that because Notre Dame's independence goes well beyond football, and I, that's I think completely lost on people when yeah, the discussion of true, independence comes up it, it, it quickly to, goes to media rights and i'm just like people right today listen. today it's lost it was it, yeah. it was understood at one point yeah. but it's it's they lose money in media rights by being independents because it's so important culturally to the university beyond the football program so yeah it's I, I understand why uh the independence drives people insane uh but i, I think this this year is a a good year to bitch about Notre Dame because it excluded probably the Big Ten. It, they knocked an entire conference yeah, out they, of the college football playoff. Right, and they didn't have to play the 13th game. Yeah. At Rob Ebert, how many Notre Dame starters would actually start for Clemson trying to gauge the talent differential? Mm. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was thinking about this um, but I read last week. Thinking. Yeah, let, What are your names? Coney, Tranquil, Love, Mustafer, Gilman, Mac. I, I could uh, the way Jalen Elliott has played, I could make an argument yeah. for both safeties. Um, now, yeah, what about what about one defensive end? Because no. neither defensive tackle, well, not okay. one defensive. You know end, what? No? no, yes, yes. Jerry Tillery could play strong side defensive end. Oh, okay, of Austin right. Bryant. I see what you're saying there in that way, but okay, yeah. That's that. That's the only I think conversation you could have about putting a Notre Dame defensive lineman. Although, I mean, I I think I could argue Kareem's better than Bryant. Mm. Healthy Kareem, maybe that's what I was looking at. But uh, Tillery makes more sense if you want to do that. that I mean, that's like that's Bri- a talent. Thing Bryant is the player. worst yeah. of the four and projected as a second round pick. Is he projected as a second round pick? Yeah, you could put Tillery. Uh, I mean, not... we could put Tillery's talent level ahead of his though if you're doing because sure. he's on the field. Is the point? That's an extra guy on the field. So it's good that they're all on one side of the ball. No, it is. It's good. You, you can you can help. You can win one side of the ball. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Okay. Okay. <laughs> if you just yeah. disperse yeah. it evenly, it doesn't um, do you any good. Mustafer over yeah. Falsinelli. I think it's, yes. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I mean, Matt could start at tight end. Uh, it's not a more of a commentary on Clemson's yeah, lone, well, lone they remaining don't, they, weakness. They don't they're tight they don't use they use a guy to block. They got they got Williams and Yeah, so they could they got number forty four and number eighty that I mean, are the receivers are a fun block. Ma- the receivers are fr- fun matchups if you want to do it. The receivers are really like Renfro and Fink are obviously very similar. Yeah. Um you know, you could you could really take Fink over Renfro, I guess, if you really wanted right. to. Fink I, wouldn't go start at Clemson. I don't think. No. He, no. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's different. I don't different think you than, can. Yeah. I think, I think Renfro's better yeah. than Fink. He's long. He, I don't know what his actual height is, but he's longer. He plays so longer. Feaster, Boykin. Uh, 
But we're pausing here at least. You know what I mean? There's there's pausing here as opposed to just saying the names out loud and knowing. Yeah, I mean, it's like Boykin and Claypool, you could make a case there. Uh, but but it's it's similar to um you know what the the defensive line position or maybe it's not, but just like the the style of receiver Notre Dame has is completely different than the style of receiver Clemson yeah, has. Yeah. Now, would would Miles Boykin have gotten an opportunity over Justin Ross? Because no. Justin Ross is a, but he's a he's a true freshman. That, yeah. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's just like Justin Ross and T Higgins clearly have incredible upside. Um, Let me say it again. Watch Clemson on film. No shortage of athletes on that team. Yeah. No question about that. Uh, let's see, Drew Brennan. Clemson's passing attack is going to pick on Troy Pride Jr. and whoever is playing nickel for Notre Dame. What can Notre Dame do to help in coverage there that they haven't done in the past? People pick on nickel more than Troy. I mean, they will go after yeah, Troy I Pride more than Julia Love, I, but I, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about a nickel situation than Troy Pride. I think Troy Pride will acquit think, himself well. I think the question is asked because Julian Love is so good, and so the yes, natural then, assumption sure. is that you try to pick on Troy Pride. I'm I, not sure that that necessarily works. I'm also not sure exactly what, you know, there are no tricks to this. I don't <laughs> you think they're going to got You got to cover well. Yeah. I don't think they need to try to help pride, I guess is my... Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and as far, I mean, you're probably going to go with Nick Coleman. Maybe you, maybe Houston Griffith gets incorporated again because of all the time that they've, they've had. Um, and I get that, just yeah, the athleticism. A it's a but it's a... It's a it, there's a reason why Clemson averages 45.4 points per game, and they put you in that. Do we play base? Do we play nickel? Uh, they're they are a prolific offense, balanced. There are no easy answers on the defensive side of the ball for Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, just for context, Troy Pride will probably get thrown at 10 plus times. You know, he got thrown at 14 times against Vanderbilt, 16 times against USC. That's just what happens when sense. you play in the yeah. field. There's just a lot of space and over the, there. And the boundaries in All-American, yeah. too. Right. It doubles up. It's At MTFL Smitty, as full-time analyst covering the upcoming game, you benefit from objectivity and resources most fans can't enjoy. By halftime, good or bad, what do you think will be the most surprising to each team's fan base? Mm. I think that for Notre Dame's fan base, uh, the quality of Trevor Lawrence will be surprising, even though it shouldn't be. Um, if you, I mean, if you follow recruiting... Maybe you just watched the Army All-American Bowl where he wasn't wasn't all that. But as somebody who's seen him in like at the opening, that he is like a once every five year quarterback, not you, just the best guy. Did you in have class. an opportunity to speak with him? During I that have time? not. Um, I sort of was around his dad a little bit. I mean, he just comes across as very normal. Um, yeah which is, I think, difficult to do for kind of a number one, all-everything quarterback who everyone knew was number one, all-everything yeah. since I think he walked into high school. I think I think that will be a surprise for Notre Dame for fans. fans. Um, I'd say for Clemson fans, if it's a positive for Notre Dame fans, like for, I, think, I think Notre Dame's pass rush will have a good day. I think Clemson fans will be surprised to see the pre- – let me put it this way. I think Notre Dame – Clemson fans will be surprised to see the pressure – put on Trevor Lawrence. It's all that matters is how well, he handles it. I would, I would agree with that, going back to my comment about Kareem against Ankrum, uh, their right tackle. Um, I'm not sure exactly. I mean, I think that I think that's that would be my answer. That's the best answer that I can come up with. I know what I would be surprised by at halftime if I came up to you guys and said, 
Man, Nordings run the football well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would, that would be the biggest. Yeah, I surprise. guess I was looking for a, a shock from no, the opposing that, that, fans, but yeah, yeah, no, that's that would that, just surprise that wasn't everyone. The, that wasn't the question, but that's how I interpreted it. And so from that, um, I'm going to jump to a different question because it ties in at Big Mac 24. Anything to the rumor of Mitch Hyatt's injury? Mitch Hyatt, the veteran left tackle, uh, four-year starter for Clemson, started five playoff games. Yes, and he started five playoff games. Uh, I know that he had stinger issues in November. Uh, He apparently was in a yellow jersey yesterday or recently. I don't know anything beyond the the stinger stuff. Um, I mean, certainly they could just be being cautious and resting him, and it's not going to play a factor in the game. That's an interesting matchup, Mitch Hyatt against... Julian Oquaro slash Dalen Hayes. Those are, uh, I mean, especially when it's Oquaro, those are, yeah, that's, that's a great, a, you guys are getting to get paid to play football yeah, in, yeah. in the near future. That's a great matchup. Sorbic for Prez over under, ND defense three and a half sacks. Clemson's offense having more than five plays for 45 yards. Five and a half plays. Oh, like explosive type yeah, plays? That's a lot uh, of yards. That I mean, that's I, I feel pretty confident on the under for the second half of that. And. That's probably the un, I'm going to go under on both. I go under on both with a fair amount of pressures for Notre Dame because that's sure. what they actually normally yeah. do. I'd go, I'd go under on both too. If Notre Dame gives up six plays of yeah, no forty five yards, they're going to lose by four. Touchdowns. They better have nine sacks. Yeah. At <laughs> at Stu Fish zero zero. If you're Brian Kelly, what keeps you up most at night? One, Dexter Lawrence. Two, Trevor Lawrence. Or three, Clemson's playoff experience. Christian Tim, Wilkins. Yeah, Tim and I are in agreement with this. <laughs> not, Wilkins is not, De- not Dexter Lawrence. Christian Wilkins is more concerning. Well, uh, of those two, well, uh, and of all three, you can't yeah. do anything about their playoff experience. You just gotta, you just gotta go play. They have forty-eight players who have played in playoff games. I saw that. That's incredible. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, more so than Dexter Lawrence for this question, because Trevor Lawrence yes. is so far and away the best quarterback Notre Dame has played this year. That is what is going. Yeah. Pete was right. That's what's going to be shocking. Dexter, everybody. Dexter Lawrence is a He's a big old hoss that you can't move. I don't know that he's going to make that many plays. He doesn't. I think he's. I mean, his sack totals. Very, he he doesn't make a lot of plays. You just can't move him. I, yeah, I think it would, Trevor Lawrence would be would be one for me. All right, uh, Jeff Bordy. Remember the sixteen tackles and butt kicking that Tavon Pony Tavon Coney put on LSU in last year's bowl game after having a few weeks rest. If he has a recharge battery as he did last year, could he neutralize Clemson's run game? One thing about that game, and he was outstanding. Um, that was a in the box game. It was perfectly tailor made for Tavon Coney, and uh, I do think Tavon Coney's recharge battery is huge because he looked uh, he looked like he was tired. And then I think off the record, the coaches would very much admit he yeah. was tired at the end. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think the the what yeah I know I, the the matchup that you're talking about. I don't think it's just going to be that that easy that he's healthy, so he's going to make 16 stops. I think it's a it's a much more difficult matchup. We've run long. We got a roll. Thanks for joining us. We will be back Monday of next week for the next edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com.
www.thebeanpodcast.com.